Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. You know, a worshipful heart is a heart that is an expectant heart. During worship, I was the story came to my mind of Paul and Silas. Remember, they were in prison. And it was, it was, I'm sure it was dark. And you know, this is, if we turned off all the lights in here and we were to light one match, one light, as we did last week, it would literally this, it would dispel all the darkness. And I can think of Paul and Silas, they're in prison, they're beaten up. They're, they're, they're actually in stocks that they put them there. And you know what they began to do? They began to worship God. You know, it's impossible to worship God and not have an expectant heart. And it doesn't matter how dark your day is. It doesn't matter what you're going through. That when you worship God, it begins, uh, you begin to have a heart of expectancy. And if, if I had to have a word that I wanted to adopt for this next year, it would be that I would have a heart of expectancy. My wife, Teresa, she shared at a woman's event uh, earlier this year, and she was saying how she is not the kind of person that always has a word that they want to adopt for the year. And she ended up adopting one. It was the, it was the word hope. But if I had to adopt a word for 2024, it would be that I want to have an expectant heart. I want to have a heart that's going to believe. I did a, a little bit of research, and uh, there's this thing called the law of expectation. And it states that whatever you expect in your heart with conviction will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Isn't that powerful? It goes on to say this. Your steps are literally ordered by your expectations. Your steps should be ordered by the Lord. But for most people... It is not. When, you're, when you confidently expect good things to happen, good things, they usually happen. When you expect negative things to happen, you're usually not disappointed. It is biblically true that our thoughts and words and actions, they usually line up with our expectations. Your thoughts, your words, and your actions are going to demonstrate whether you have faith or fear. Paul, he's writing to the Philippians, the very, the very city, the very prison that I told you that he was imprisoned. And now he's not in the prison of Philippi. He's actually in a prison of Rome. He's imprisoned once again, and he writes this. And Paul says, it's my eager expectation. Listen, Paul is chained to another Roman soldier. And what does Paul say? He says, it is my eager expectation. Look at Philippians 1.18. It says, yes, and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Do you see his expectation? In other words, it's going to turn out. It's all going to be good. And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. For to, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. We all want fruitful lives. 
we all want to praise God and we all want to have a life of expectancy. Expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Did you hear that? You want a miracle in your life? You have something that you're believing for? Then you need a heart of expectation. A heart of expectation believes that with God all things are possible. A heart of expectation is never ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. A heart of expectation has compassion for the multitudes. A heart of expectation is humble before God and man. It possesses the God kind of faith. A heart of expectation reaches the lost with God's love. A heart of expectation preaches with unhindered boldness. It never enters or it never entertains a spirit of fear. When you're expectant, you can't fear because you know that God is in control. And let it be your prayer this year. God, I want greater expectation to dream and to visualize God using you, as Pastor Brian said, using your gifts and advancing the heart of God in your life. Every uh, January, we join thousands of other churches in this nation for a time of prayer and fasting. I want to speak a few minutes on that. And uh, we set aside, set aside the first part of the year, and it's going to be from one, for one hour. We're going to actually have a meeting uh, at, from 6 to 7 in this very room, and it's going to start uh, next week, next Monday, and it's going to be for five days straight. And we're going to have a, just about 10 minutes of worship. We're going to pray for our families, for our church, for the city, the nation, the world, for, for your specific needs. So if you come and you have a specific need, we want to pray for that as well. And listen, there's no excuse because we have child care. So this is the first time we're going to have it in this theater. It's going to be next week from Monday uh, through Sunday or Monday through Friday is going to be here um, at the theater, at the Rex. And, and uh, uh, we're just going to pray. Uh, and so I would just want to say a few things about that. There's uh, three great reasons to fast. One is for direction, another is devotion, and another, maybe you can say amen to this, desperation. We fast, when we fast, we're, sometimes we're desperate for things, and we say, God, um, I'm, I'm serious, and I want this before you. Uh, I, I, want, I think of Queen Esther. Esther was not a queen yet, and she was desperate. And there was an attack against her and her nation, and she called a three-day fast. She went before the, the king, and you know what? God turned the situation around. God uses fasting. And many of you really need this because you're in a critical situation, and I just want to encourage you, you can't give up. Fasting's not easy, but it's worth it. And if you have questions about what, what does that look like, what does the fast look like, there's definitely different ways to do it. I can't get into all that right now, but I do know that it deals with food. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people want to fast, fast technology and all these things, but when you're really serious, uh, usually the stomach gets involved. It's refraining from food for particular or, or particular foods for a spiritual purpose. And remember that, uh, that prayer goes with fasting because without prayer, it's more like dieting. We're not dieting. We're, we're spending a time of prayer and fasting. We're going to pray for our nation, our families. We're going to take the time to believe that, that things are going to change, and we're going to have a heart of expectation. 
For me, every year when I do a fast, and I do it usually several times during a year, I always think or use the analogy of new wine being put in old wineskins. In the ancient times, they, used, they stored wine in animal skins, and the bags would become old and brittle. And what would happen is, is you would put the new wine in, and then it would burst. Fasting enables us to contain what the Spirit of God wants to pour into us. That's what fasting does. Mark 2 says this, Jesus makes this statement, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins, but new wine is for fresh wineskins. My prayer is, is, Lord, I don't want to become stale. Lord, I don't want to become um, stagnant. I don't want to become status quo. God, I want you to be able to do something new, but I need to be ready to receive it. That's what fasting does for me. I also remember that Jesus modeled fasting. He was led into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days. And when his flesh was his weakest, he endured relentless temptation from Satan. You know, you can expect often when you fast to to have spiritual battles. Satan offered him alternatives to God's plan. You know, Satan's always going to give you something else. He's going to give you a counterfeit. And that's what the devil was doing. Uh, Satan offered compromise that would, that would satisfy Jesus' natural desires. And he even attacked, get this, how, how appropriate is this for these days? Satan attacked Jesus' identity. His identity, who he was as the Son of God. And Jesus, he used, you know what Jesus used to defeat the devil? He used the Word of God. He didn't use his own strength to defeat the temptations. He used God's Word. Fasting can strengthen us spiritually, and it can draw us closer to God. Luke 4 tells us, uh, Jesus uh, returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's what happened when he came back after fasting. He came with power, and that's what fasting does. Remember to embrace the purpose for which the Father sent him. And God, God's called us for a purpose. I want you to remember that. He didn't have to rely on his humanity, but he lived being directed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want in our lives to be directed. And if, if the Son of God did not rely on his flesh, but the power of the Spirit, oh, how much more do we need to? A time of fasting. Fasting is a continual prayer to God. If you're fasting all day, then you've been praying all day. It's a hunger strike against hell. Five things I want you to think about uh, that we experience when we pray and fast. I'm sure there's more, but I did my best to just um, give you a few right here. One thing is, is that we realign our lives. We're serious. We take the first part of the year and we say, God, this is for you. We realign our lives. Have you ever owned a car that's out of alignment and it's always pulling to the left or the right? It's annoying. It's tiring. It forces you to struggle and to fight. And we don't want our life to be one big fight. We don't want to be pulled off course. We want to be realigned. And we can realign our lives to the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. Why is it we're always fighting? We need to ask God, God, I want to be sensitive to you. I don't want you to have to hunt me down all the time, and and I don't want to be struggling and turning to the left and turning to the right. God, I want to be shot like an arrow. I want to be aligned to your will. 
the more I decrease and the more I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He steers me. I want the Holy Spirit to steer me, not Roger steer me. I don't want to do it. The more I seek God, the more I align myself with the will of God. Matthew 6, says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then what? Then all these things are going to be added unto you. When you seek God, God, I want to align myself with what you're doing, with what you're saying, then uh, it brings us closer to God. Another thing is, is that we go deeper and we grow stronger with God. James says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. You know what cleansing your hands is? It's confessing your sins. It says, you sinners, and purify your hearts. The Greek, that actually means mourn, purifying your hearts. And then it says, you double-minded. And double-mindedness is being drawn in two different directions. We don't want to be double-minded. Your loyalty is divided. And you go between faith and unbelief. Faith, unbelief. Faith, unbelief. One moment I'm believing God, the next minute I'm in despair. No, I want to expect that I'm going to live uh, with with an expectancy in my heart that God is always faithful. He's always good. He's always loving. He's always caring. That's my God. That's who He is, and I'm going to believe that. We, we go deeper and we grow stronger with God. Another thing here is that we engage in spiritual warfare. We can't solve spiritual problems with earthly solutions. Matthew 17 is a, is a perfect example of a, of a little boy that was demon-possessed, and the disciples couldn't drive out the demons. And, and they came to Jesus, and they asked him why. Jesus said, Oh, unbelieving, get these two words. He said, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. You know what unbelieving means? It means faithlessness, and it means not connected to God. And then he uses the word perverse, which means to be too connected to the world. Literally, the Greek, that's what it means, to be perverse. It means to be too connected to the world. And Jesus ends up casting out the demons and they asked why they couldn't do it, and verse 21 says, By this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. If there's strongholds in your life, often that's what it takes. And last here, I said five, I had four. I condensed a couple. Last thing here is that we, experience, we can experience spiritual breakthrough. In Matthew 6, Jesus told us that there's three secrets of power on the Sermon Sermon on the Mount. Three things fueled his life that many Christians don't know. He talked about when you give to the needy, and then there's a big discourse about that. And then he talks about uh, when uh, when you pray, and then there's a long discourse about praying. And finally, it says in verse 16, and when you fast. Note, it never says if you fast. It says when you fast. And each of those things, giving and prayer and fasting, each are very important and very powerful, but there's nothing like it when they're all together. It's like a threefold cord that can't be broken. And before I close here and we go back to worship, one song here and close this, this morning out, um, I want to tell you what fasting doesn't get us. It doesn't get us better standing with God. Our standing will never be about what we do. 
It's not about that. I'll tell you what it doesn't do. It doesn't twist God's arm. It's not like, you know, Lord, I'm suffering and I'm hungry and you owe me this. It's not what it's about. It doesn't make God feel sorry for us, seeing perhaps our inconvenience or our pain. It doesn't increase God's love for us, and it isn't paying for your sins. They've already been paid for in full. You know what it is? It's a seriousness. It's a seriousness that you take the first part of the year, and you dedicate it to God, and you, uh, you're serious about what you're, about what you're praying for. So we're going to go back into worship right now, and I would encourage you, as this song goes, as we sing the, this last song, I would encourage you to say, Lord, I really want to live 2024 with a heart of expectation. I want to know. I want to, I want to dispel darkness with worship. It is impossible to worship the Lord and not have a heart of expectation. When you worship the Lord, you expect and that's what Paul and Silas did in prison. They expected the presence of God to be with them, even though they were in chains. You expect. Let's have a heart of expectation. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola, or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, We'd love to hear about it, so please drop us a note.